And we're back with another episode of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It's Gerald coming right back at you here along with my good friend. He is our Fantasy Football Pater Podcast guru. Guru. <laughs> Better the second time around. <laughs> Got to check out everything that's going on with the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. It is available every single week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel that is available now mm-hmm. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and over 30 different podcast outlets. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Tyler Baker. Another surprising weekend, and just when you thought it was safe Ooh. to go back in and bet and gamble and you know, just <laughs> relax and do some fantasy football, uh-huh. the, the NFL just gets crazier and crazier. You know what? I like to play DFS. I don't play a whole lot, but I like to play DraftKings FanDuel. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I qualified for the uh, online world championships for FanDuel, so I'm excited about that. Congratulations. But, uh, thank you. But this week, I had a locked and loaded defense. I don't like to pay up for defenses, but of course, I paid up for the Minnesota Vikings defense. And look at me wah, now. Wah, wah, wah. It trashed just about every single one of my DFS lineups. <laughs> just well, when you think you know, just when you think you got it figured out. No, 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 no. And actually, they they were actually you know part of history today, being one of the largest upset victims of the past mm-hmm. 20, 25 years. I think it was. I think yeah. mid nineties was the last time a seventeen plus or more point underdog lost straight up and they lost at home in in mm. and in embarrassing fashion and they lost it in their first couple possessions and just never got it back and it was a story of uh turnovers minnesota's first two possessions were turnovers in their own 25 <laughs> so just handing buffalo the ball but you have to give it to the bills they took advantage of it they got those turnovers they took advantage of it and then kirk cousins just fell apart he just absolutely fell apart. It was it was hard to watch. Great to see that money well spent right there, and you know all those uh, great things that you said. Okay, I actually didn't say such great things about her cousin. Maybe coming to prophecy because a lot of people were high on him after a couple of weeks, but. You know, this may be the Kirk Cousins that we may be used to seeing, the one that kind of faltered in the mm-hmm. second half of the season at Washington, and and maybe fantasy football owners maybe worry about him going forward. A little bit worried, but he'll he'll bounce back. There's there's good Kirk Cousins, there's bad Kirk Cousins, and Kirk Cousins is not good. Well, it's like you and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago. There are certain high pressure situations in some games where he just kind of mentally just can't seem to hold it together. And the way this game started, it just set him down a path to where he just he just couldn't get out of it. You know, if you are a Minnesota Vikings fan, you must be nervous about that because of the fact that it, you know, it could lead to bigger problems down the road. Yeah, I think I, I don't think this is much to worry about. And if you have him on your fantasy team, you're definitely not dropping him. And I I just don't know how concerned I am about it. It's one bad game. It's Kirk Cousins. You know you're going to get these bad games from him. And if you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly concerned. It was a very bad outing. I'm sure that they'll learn from it. Next week they do have the Rams. And to be honest with you, I would expect them probably to play better against the Rams. Let them regroup. Dalvin Cook will probably probably be back next week, um, so they'll have their complete team. So uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too concerned about Kirk Cousins because you know the Rams are such a pushover right now. You know, they're just not <laughs> Man, doing anything but they, winning. That's all. Not they. Just- 
they are the best team in the NFL right now. Absolutely. They have so many ways that they can get you on offense and their defense is just good. <laughs> and that's taking care of like they did this weekend of a very good team. Mm-hmm. I think in the mm-hmm. San Diego, well, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers. I know <laughs> the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. And I think they're a really good team in the AFC. I think they've, they've still got a lot of things to look forward to. Phillip Rivers is an outstanding quarterback. They've got a lot of good pieces, but they were no match for the Rams today. No, it, but you know what? They, they put up a valiant fight. The Rams managed to take Keenan Allen out of this game. But Mike Williams showed up. He caught two touchdowns today. And you knew that it was going to come around. You knew that Mike that Mike Williams was going to be, be begin to be a centerpiece of this offense. I don't know if we've completely turned that corner yet. He's definitely a big part of this offense now. And yeah, Phillip Rivers has been playing lights out this year. He only attempted 30 passes which is really, really low for Phillip Rivers. But going against this Rams defense, you're just not, not going to get that many opportunities. No, and you better maximize every single one of them once you do have them, because certainly the Rams will, especially with the high-octane offense and the star-studded defense that they have currently right now. Be warned, everyone in the NFL, we've said it for two weeks now, they are looking like the best team in the NFL. And for, you know, if if Los Angeles fans decide to show up one of these days, it'd be great to go ahead and see one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL in action. And, you know, I'm from SoCal. I think I have a right mm-hmm. to, you know, go ahead and express my opinion. But yeah. this is LA football, I think, to a, to a T when it comes down to selling out. They've never really been able to support the Raiders, the Rams, now the Chargers in the past, the way I think they should have. You don't see those sellouts very much in the LA football market. I mean, they've supported the USC Trojans and UCLA Bruins more than they have the pro teams. I think that's an oversight, uh, but I think it's just leads. I think it's just a different dynamic in LA. I'm like I said, I'm from the Southern California, lived there many years. You've been in Southern California, you mm-hmm. know. You mm-hmm. you actually went to the games last year in in the little. Sure did. Uh, I think the Chargers. You went to the Chargers facility in Carson, correct? Yes, I went to their first preseason game, and it was <laughs> it was sad. Nobody in LA wants the Chargers in LA. Now the Rams, it's a little bit different because the Rams were gone for so long and there was still quite a bit of Rams fans there in LA. And now that now that the Rams are back, there's much more of a buzz about the Rams than there are the Chargers. It seems like nobody wants the Chargers in LA. It's sad. But, but it's they still have not really sold out. Why well, I, I don't want to call it the mausoleum like people say, but they're, they're they're doing two thirds full, but you know the co- well. It's the co- also L.A. Coliseum that seats yeah. hundred thousand people. <laughs> it did, it did, but they shortened it. They uh, lessened it to I think about ninety thousand yeah. because they they sized it down because they really can't get a hundred thousand unless it's only for a very small amount of events. But mm-hmm. I'm going on a tangent here. But the <laughs> idea is that once they get into the new stadiums, maybe it will be actually a lot more popular for both the Chargers and the Rams. Hopefully things will look up for them attendance wise, because I think people need to get on those bandwagons because I think both teams are very good, mm-hmm. especially the Rams. And I think if people really get into them, that would be awesome. That would mean a lot of great things for me here in Vegas, because for some reason they still black us out here in Las Vegas. And and I'm just mm. another rant here, man. When the Vegas when when Oakland comes to Vegas here in a couple of years. That would blow my mind if they actually still black out the Rams and the Chargers like they've done for all these years. <laughs> yeah, we'll 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 see. I I I think I think a a team there local I think would do a lot to 
uh, uh, get those games on TV for you. That would be nice, but I don't, you know, I don't know. I just don't understand the blackout rules entirely. And when it comes to any of the major sports and just, yeah, but that's another, again, you've got, I think we're going to name this, rename this the tangent podcast because we have obviously gone on two tangents already, but there's a lot to talk about when it comes to fantasy football. It is the fantasy football Patriot podcast. We truly appreciate you being part of it and listening in. One of the things I want to talk about is obviously the demise maybe prematurely, of the New England Patriots. Mm. They really looked bad today. Don't, and don't give me this. The head coach used to coach with Belichick, <laughs> and he knows everything that Belichick's going to do because Belichick usually makes it a point to put that knife in and twist it on one of his old assistants. Yeah, and I don't want to jump on that too much, but I will say that I am pretty sure that Matt Patricia has been gaming for week three since he took that job. <laughs> well, he certainly looked like it in week one when they got destroyed by the Jets. But <laughs> this leads to me to a bigger question uh-huh. with the fantasy football owners out there. They need some to need I think they need to know exactly who definitively are players that people need to focus on when it comes to the New England offense because Right now, Tom Brady is having a hard time throwing at anybody that's sure. not named Gronkowski. Yeah, and and even Gronk is not has not been very effective. And if you watch the game, you saw that they were double teaming him, and they were they were very sure to take him out of commission. And that's because look at the other receiving weapons there. When has Philip Dorsett ever been a game changer? When has Cordarrelle Patterson ever been a a real starting wide receiver? And Chris Hogan's kind of just a guy. So this offense is desperately waiting for Julian Edelman to come back. When Julian Edelman gets back, I think you're going to see them get back on track. Tom Brady has every confidence in him. He's going to take some some pressure off of Gronk. And I think with Julian Edelman in the lineup, that offense gets back to what we've seen it be in the past. Well, that leads me to even more questions on on the running back situation because you and I both have seen with New England, they've been doing a running back by committee now for quite some time, and it's worked for the most part. But mm-hmm. at some point, do they need to start relying on one individual to maybe gain the lion's sure. share of the carries and and have, focus in on someone that they can they can count on and believe on um, on almost every play? Um, well, that's going to come down to trust, and they're showing more and more trust in Sonny Michelle. He can do a lot of things well, and in New England, they've had different running backs that have played different roles. Those lines have been blurred, especially last year. It got a little bit more blurred with Burkhead coming in because he can he can run up the middle, but he can also catch the ball. So where the James White slash Burkhead slash Michelle roles, they kind of blur a little bit, but Michelle is, is, is definitely the better athlete. And if they see that they can trust him with all of his assignments, including pass protection and catching balls out of the backfield, when he shows that he can pick up the offense and that he can gel with Tom Brady, I would like to think that Sony Michelle is going to kind of come ahead in that situation. But being a veteran fantasy football player, I will tell you, if you think you have Belichick in his backfield figured out, it's a fool's errand. So it looks like it's trending in Sonny Michelle's direction. He's definitely getting a lot more of the rushes. He's starting to get some targets in the passing game. And being that he's a rookie and this is week three, that's a really, really good sign that they're going in that direction. 
but you don't if you have Sonny Michelle, I don't know if you feel comfortable starting him on in your fantasy football lineup. And I would have to see it for a couple of weeks before I'm comfortable starting him. I agree with you on that because it just it seems to me like it's a bigger issue in New England where this topsy-turvy, uh, let's change lineups, let's change mm-hmm. a running back, let's change looks. Mm-hmm. It's It was cute for a while, and it has worked for a while to an extent. But at some point in time, I think maybe the, the, you know these other teams, they have a tendency to catch on. And they're, they know that New England cannot rely solely on one running back. And because of that, if they don't have one running back that the defense isn't scared of, they just focus in more on the pass, and that makes it harder for Tom Brady to do his thing. Yeah, and when Michelle shows that he can do those things, when he shows that he can run routes as well as James White or take it up the middle and be effective like Burkhead, when he shows that he can do those things, I tend to think that they're just going to keep him in there. Instead of cluing defenses off, if you put James White in there, it's probably going to be a passing play. <laughs> you know. But if they can keep a guy in there, I think – Whereas they use the individual talents of these running backs to find mismatches in the defense. If you can keep one guy on the field that can still have the upper hand in those matchups with linebackers and safeties, I think it's an advantage. But they're going to have to trust him first. We'll be right back with more of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. Something else I want to talk about when it leads in as far as running backs. I mean, we've talked about, like you said, run running back situation in New England. But I think that, to me, there's a... a thing I wanted to bring up with you, and I've seen a trend over the past three weeks when it comes to the running back position as a whole, mm-hmm. I think a lot of running backs that we were gearing up to and the importance of running backs. I, I know in our primer, we discussed the importance of running backs as a whole in the fantasy football mindset. And so far, is it me or is it just not working out the running back position as far as the strength? We're not seeing that many or, or as many 100-yard games, many multiple touchdown games for running backs as as I be- think I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the big names are not ex- experiencing the, the big season so far to this point. Uh, the touchdowns are not as there as prevalent as I've seen. We've seen Adrian Peterson do very, very well, but you know, and obviously Todd Gurley as well. But after that, there seems to be like some of the major running backs that were picked high up in the draft don't seem to be, I guess, um, they don't seem to be materializing as well as I thought. Sure. Well, a couple of the top guys, Le'Veon Bell, hasn't even stepped on a football field. And poor David Johnson, he's playing in Arizona. And I don't think anybody saw the dumpster fire that is the Arizona Cardinals. So you have two top five running backs who are probably two of the top three picks in your draft are really just not performing. 
But I don't think that that necessarily takes away from the running back position. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a different type as far as fantasy. We're seeing a different type of running back that you want to look at. There are a couple running backs this year that have the potential to catch 100 passes. And, and I think that's only happened maybe two or three times in NFL history. And this year we have a couple of guys that could hit that mark. Guys like Chris Thompson, guys like Christian McCaffrey. So I think I think um, fin- fantasy football has gone towards more PPR. You don't see that many standard scoring leagues anymore. Most of it's PPR. And what that's doing is that's allowing more value for guys like Austin Eckler, guys like Philip Lindsay, guys that, you know, in a standard league, you probably wouldn't play, but in a PPR league, because a lot of NFL teams are going to a running back by committee, they want to find mismatches on the field. They want that quick little third down back that they can get in there and and find open space and give them the ball. Teams really want to do that because they want to keep defenses on their toes. And it's all about finding mismatches. And if you get a, a, a quick guy that can do good things with the ball in his hands, get him into space, good things can happen. And so um, I don't think the running back position has become less valuable in fantasy. I think it's just changing a little bit. Whereas even even like Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon's having a great year, but it's not just on the ground. You know, he, he, he caught two touchdowns last week, <laughs> you know, and so it's just, it's changing a little bit. And what it's doing is it's giving, you're really going to have to dig around for value sometimes. And you just kind of have to go with the flow as far as fantasy is concerned. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Our full episodes where we have like 20, 30, almost 40 minutes worth of talk about fantasy football. You can catch those every week, once a week on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and so many other outlets. We have also segments as well that go up on our extremely popular shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos Show and the PCC Multiverse, which are heard we uh, worldwide on radio seven days a week and also 30 different podcast outlets. My friend, if you're in San Francisco, I think you're hurting a little bit right now because you need a quarterback and you need one fast because Jimmy Garoppolo, it looks like his knee is really not that good. Kyle Shanahan came out and said that he thought that it was an ACL. He thought it sounded like he was at a funeral. Yeah. Well, that offense doesn't move without a quarterback that can work that offense. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. And I haven't seen enough of CJ Beathard to know if he can come in and effectively run that offense. I'm seriously inclined to doubt it. And that pretty much destroys just about every bit of fantasy value. You saw George Kittle was really starting to get involved. I was really excited about him, Matt Breida. And, and not having a stable quarterback, you know, in theory, I guess could help the running game because they would run the ball more. But it seems to me that defenses are going to be able to key in on that. And it, it, it's just not good. All It's all around bad. And if you have any pieces of that offense, you're worried right now. I am. I do have Pierre Garcon as a backup. Uh, I think I'm about ready to jettison him off my team because of that. I know for the fact that when you're talking about running backs, their running back, their star running back, who is also, I drafted, he got hurt yeah. and he's out for the yeah. season. So now their starting quarterback and starting running back are out for the season. Yeah. What are your thoughts as far as anything as a whole when it comes to San Francisco's entire offense? Do you actually keep anybody on their roster? 
Ugh, that's tough. I mean, if you're a fantasy footballer, do you even keep them as someone on their bench? I, I think you have to hold on to, to Matt Breida. Personally, I have George Kittle in a couple of leagues. I'll probably hold on to him. But Marquise Goodwin, no. Pierre Garçon, no. Alfred Morris, maybe. But it's just, I, I don't know how they're going to move the ball. I don't even think Shanahan knows how he's going to move the ball yet. But he's one of the best in the game as far as coordinating offenses, high-powered offenses for a reason. And I think he'll come up with something. I just don't know enough about C.J. Beathard. I don't know enough about his strengths and weaknesses to even try to to, to even try to speculate what that offense is going to look like. If you have pieces and you need to make moves, go ahead and make moves. If if you don't, you know, if you're covered to the buys and and you can you have some bench spots to burn, you know, maybe hold on to him and see. But we'll have to see next week. I don't know how long you hold on to him. Burrito, I think, is maybe the only option for sure. me if that if I had him on a because team. Because he's a playmaker. <laughs> and I think he ran for about 90 yards, so I think he's at least something salvageable out of the situation. But outside mm-hmm. of that, you're right. It's, it's going to be hard to find any fantasy value out of anything else left unless we see something that's going to totally shock us. And that could be you know, that could be the case. But as of right now, if you, I'm going to lay odds that most of the rest of the players that you thought and I thought and everybody else thought would be key integral parts of their team and also integral parts of a fantasy football team are going to be probably hitting the waiver wire anytime soon. So. Sure, because a couple of, like Pierre Garçon's not a playmaker. Alfred Morris is not a playmaker. Marquise Goodwin, you know, he's got the speed that they might, you know, get inventive and, you know, try to get him the ball. And George Kittle, I think, is athletic enough that they, you know, might try to get him, feature him still, even without Jimmy Garoppolo. But there's just not that many playmakers on that offense now. And if you don't have a quarterback that that can really orchestrate things, you can have all the playmakers. But if you can't get him the ball, it really doesn't matter. It's hard right now. It's hard for people in San Francisco. They actually look like a team with a little bit of promise. Not not something yet. You know, not a team that maybe we're going to have any playoff aspirations, but something you know, like like Cleveland. They were a team that had had a lot of recent poor outings, a year after year of struggling, and it looked like they were on the way up, making the right choices in the draft, things mm-hmm. of that nature, and. Unfortunately, a lot of things have really hit the wall when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. I, I really feel bad for them, the community, and the team because that's really that's just really tough when you have those type of, of incidents and those type of injuries to both your major players that you're counting on so much. Well, you hate leaving week three feeling like it's over. No, no team should feel like it's over after week three, but I think this is one of those unique situations. I mean, even teams that are 0-3, it's not over. But I think team in this situation you're kind of looking at the season as as a lost cause sad it is very sad and i just feel bad for all san francisco 49er fans yeah we'll be right back with more of the fantasy football pater podcast check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmo show and the pcc multiverse that is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. 
But there's also other things to talk about when it comes to fantasy football and also football in general for this weekend in the NFL. I will say this, that not only were there surprising results in Minnesota and also as well in Detroit, but there were a lot of surprising results around the league. What are some of the things that surprised you either from a fantasy football or a football perspective as a whole when it concerns week three in the NFL? Well, Tennessee went to Jacksonville divisional opponent. Jacksonville's been playing very well. Blaine Gabbert started this game for Tennessee, got a concussion in the first quarter. And you and I talked about Marcus Mariota and how he has a, a nerve bruise in his elbow, which is a really weird thing. Like um, his his fingers have been tingling and he's not been able to grip the ball. Managed to go in for, for Blaine Gabbert and won the game. Now, he only threw for 100 yards. I, I mean, it was a ugly game it, it was a field goal game the uh, but they beat jacksonville nine to six and to go into jacksonville one of the one of the best defenses in the league and <laughs> mariota's passes were ugly i mean they were ducks because you just couldn't get a good grip on the ball but they gutted it out and got a win i think that that was really big for tennessee and it was surprising that jacksonville just didn't seem to have an answer for what for what uh, Tennessee was doing. Also in Arizona, Arizona played Chicago in Arizona, and it was the end of the fourth quarter, just a couple minutes left in the game. Arizona got the ball. They had, I don't know, three, four minutes left, like enough time for a good drive. And they took Sam Bradford out and put Josh Rosen in, which was really a turning point for the season because they were in this game. They had a chance to win this game and they pulled Sam Bradford, put Josh Rosen in. Now Rosen didn't look very good. <laughs> he threw, he threw a pit. Well, he threw two picks. One of them was called back for penalty, but he did throw an interception. But when the game was on the line and it was when it looked like they had a chance to win it, they yanked Sam Bradford and put Josh Rosen in. So maybe that was just a little bit of a test for Rosen, but you don't pull a guy, you don't pull your starting quarterback in a game situation like that if you're not going to pull him for the next game. So I think it's pretty safe to say that unless they really didn't like what Josh Rosen did, I think it's pretty safe to say that Josh Rosen could be the starter from here on out in Arizona. And it looks like now that Baker Mayfield is going to be the starter going forward for the rest of the has season. To be. For, has to be for Cleveland, obviously, has to be. after his uh, great success on Thursday. So definitely, uh, it looks like all the major players at the top of the NFL draft when it comes to good quarterback position, looks like they're gearing up and already seeing action already, which I think is what you know a lot of people were expecting when you draft those individuals so high like that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, my friend. More surprised that the Miami Dolphins are three and zero, or more surprised that the Patriots are one and two. Miami, the Patriots. Honestly, it's not. It didn't surprise me that much because they have, in my opinion, been been letting go of some really, really good, talented football players. And I heard tonight that. Well, actually, it, I heard earlier this week that Patriots are actually trying to trade Gronkowski in the off season. So there's just a deficiency of talent there. And I mean, there are three receivers right now, uh, Hogan, Patterson, and Dorsett. I mean, give me a break. You know, that team is just really, really lacking talent. And the talent of Tom Brady and the genius of Belichick can only cover so many blemishes. 
So that doesn't surprise me too much. The fact that Miami is playing as well as they are is is surprising me a little bit. Absolutely. Does this mean that you need to start thinking about Ryan Tannehill as a fantasy football starter? He still doesn't have the eye-popping numbers that you're seeing. but And then also for the Miami offense as a whole, do people start need to look in, be looking in that direction as far as players on that roster outside of just Ryan Tannehill? Because, yeah, like I said, they don't have the eye-popping numbers, but they're getting the job done when it comes to the win column. They are getting the job done. I have quite a few shares of Kenny Stills. I have a couple of shares of Kenny and Drake. Yeah, Tannehill... If you are in need of a quarterback, sure, but I, I'm sure that there's other fantasy quarterbacks on the waiver wire that I'd, ra- that I'd rather have than uh, Ryan Tannehill. So while they're, they're doing good things in the win column and in the standings, I don't think I would be pursuing Tannehill for my fantasy team. Are you more surprised right now about the lack of production from the running back position by many of the star running backs? Or are you more surprised about the predominance of the wide receiver position in fantasy football at this point in time? You know what? I I think the regardless of the numbers being down a little bit, I think the running back position is much more stable. Whereas if you have a Julio Jones, yeah, he can give you three touchdowns or he can kind of disappear. Whereas it's really difficult to have a a stud running back completely disappear other than David Johnson. And that has everything to do with just how terrible that that offense is as a whole. But you look at the other running backs, I mean, do they underperform? Sure, but they'll get you something every week. And sometimes receivers, even the stud receivers, not named Michael Thomas, tend to, you know, kind of go up and down a little bit. And running back just seems a little bit more stable if you've got one of those premier running backs, you know, those must play RB1s and RB2s. It seems like the floor is is more stable than the wide receiver position. One of those star running backs I wanted to talk to you about is someone who I was affected by because I thought he was going to be playing this week, Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is the story going on with Leonard Fournette? So <sighs> I'd, I'd like to know exactly what's going on with his situation. You, you and me both. <laughs> you and me both. I just... You know, they said that he was questionable game time decision, but every indication was that he was going to go ahead and play. And uh, sure enough, just before the game, they they held him out. So evidently, there's something in that hamstring pool that is just not quite right. And you and I have talked about it many times before when athletes, especially at skill positions, when they have a hamstring injury, you have to let it heal. And sometimes treatment and Time are pretty much the only things that will help it heal. Um, Some hamstring injuries need more time than other ones. And if you don't give it that correct amount of time, then and and if they re-injure it, then it can go into a, a bigger tear. And some of these some of these hamstring injuries could put players out for months. Um, But they've said, even when it happened two weeks ago, that they did not think that this was a serious hamstring injury. They said that it was in the good part of the hamstring, you know, where there's a lot of muscle fiber and, and, you know, tears are okay to have there. But apparently he, he was, he was warming up for the game and it just didn't feel right. And they didn't want to risk an even longer injury. So I was, I was surprised that he didn't play last week. (laughs) So here we are. Um, I'm sure we he'll, we will hear something Monday, and uh, I'll be sure to let you know. Please do so, because not only my team, but a lot of other fantasy football teams too. 
their yeah. successes depend on it because it's something we need to focus in. And hopefully you can give us an update for the regular full episode on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. Mm -hmm. One last thing I want to touch on before we head on out or before any, any more, more extended thoughts that you might have, my friend, is the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Even when they're not America's team, they're still America's pain in the side <laughs> because I'll tell you what. <laughs> Jerry Jones squirming in that press box to the, you know, that press box, you know, every time the Seahawks scored was just, uh, it was just a lot of fun to see if you're not a Cowboys <laughs> fan. I was a Cowboys Which fan. I'm not. I, I know a lot of other people are not either. I was a Cowboys fan when I was very little. I actually, at this point in time, don't care about them either which way. But it, I think probably because a lot of the issues that they won over the years, they won enough for me. I think it just, you know, like I said, it's, at this point in time, maybe I just grew out of them. But they are really just a, not a very good team at this point in time. One of the worst in the NFL, in my opinion, both from an offense and a defensive side of the ball. They can't move the ball and they can't defend the ball. And to me, that's an issue big <laughs> time. And their they're once vaunted offensive line. Yeah years which was the envy of the nfl i yeah. don't think they can even i don't even think they can plug a hole in a dam much less to plug a hole you know any holes for the for the running backs to get through yeah and that's yeah. that for ezekiel elliott and anybody who has them well and and they've they've talked about getting uh ezekiel elliott more involved in the passing game and he actually led the team in targets tonight he had eight targets for three receptions for 11 yards. Including one, unfortunately, <laughs> that it was a touchdown that should have been a touchdown, but he didn't see where he was going, so he stepped out of bounds first, and it yeah. wasn't a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And you've got fans wondering if uh, they need to look for a quarterback in the next draft, too. I was watching some game film last week looking at Dallas's week one loss, and it just... Dak Prescott was making some bad reads. I mean, really bad reads and making poor decisions. He looked a little bit better last week, but I mean, here we are. It's, you know, week three and today he had 168 yards in the air. One touchdown, two interceptions. He took five sacks. Well, I'm actually going to give him the benefit of the doubt at this point in time because he had such a phenomenal rookie season and he's only two years removed from it. Maybe that was kind of a, an anomaly, and maybe he's not as good as the numbers indicated then, but I don't think he's as bad as the numbers indicate now. I just think that offensive line is atrocious, and since they're not able to guard him, all he can do is give up sacks at this point in time. And it's obviously causing his throws to be wild, inaccurate, and hurried when you're basically on your back the entire time. Well, I think it's pretty easy to say, oh, he would be a better quarterback if he had the best line in the NFL in front of him. I mean... I think well, well, most quarterbacks would be <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they're not able to adjust with what they have now. And even some of the film that I was watching reads that he should have made. He just, he just wasn't recognizing defenses and yeah, he had, he had the phenomenal rookie year, but <laughs> the thing about rookie seasons and, and, you know, the first season that a player emerges, defenses really don't know what to do yet. But you give them an off-season of looking at film and figuring out what a quarterback's tendencies are, and you see defenses be able to kind of get their number. And Dak Prescott has been around enough that um, I think I think they know how to confuse him, and it looks to be working. Well, to me, it's just very sad because, like I said, anybody who has Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott at this time, or Cole Beasley, or any one of the 
the options that they have on offense, I don't think are that bad. I just don't oh, think, they're like bad. I said, well, they're bad. When you're, I mean, they're, when, they're bad right now as far as a pick, but I think this, uh, to me, it just leads to the offensive line issue. Well, when your number one receiver is Cole Beasley, you've got problems. I mean, when you have Tavon Austin actually running routes and trying to be a real NFL receiver, you have problems. They just don't have a good team. Cole Beasley is a slot receiver. He may be on a good team. He may be a number three receiver. I get there. But Ezekiel Elliott is somebody that sure. You know, I, I don't see many holes being open. I watched that game you know, and with the Seahawks, and and you don't see much of it, places for him to go. You see him on his heels right from the moment he gets the ball. Mm-hmm. I just don't see a lot of good opportunities going forward. And that leads to a bigger question. If you're a fantasy football owner out there, is it time to cut bait on Ezekiel Elliott and Dak oh, Prescott and try and see if you can sneak a trade in them now rather than later? If you're in a 10 or 12 team league, you probably shouldn't have Dak Prescott. But Ezekiel Elliott, lock him in. I mean, he's an every week start. He only had 16 carries on the ground. He turned it into 127 yards. I mean, he is a phenomenal talent. Dallas's offensive line has had quite a few injuries and you know some shuffling around so let them get healthy let them get back on the field and you'll see a lot more production from Ezekiel Elliott. Cole Beasley's one of those guys where you know he's I mean he's a wide receiver for you know maybe you have him on your bench you know for the bye weeks or whatever but there's nobody in this offense that you should be starting except for Ezekiel Elliott. We'll be right back with more of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Once again, it is the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. It is Tyler Baker on with us. Not only are segments posted on our Pop Culture Cosmos and PCC Multiverse every week, but full episodes you can find on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and over 30 different podcast outlets. Well, before we head on out, my friend, what you got going, what you got working on, or is there any last thoughts that you have on the way out? Oh, I'm just going to enjoy the rest of this week because the Washington Redskins beat the Green Bay Packers. Oh, it, 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 but, and I will say this, there was one hit that Clay Matthews had on, on uh, Alex Smith, and it was a regular clean hit. It was actually a good hit. And they threw the flag. And I was watching the game, and the commentators rolled some film of some other penalties that Clay Matthews had gotten. And I don't think he deserved a flag on any of them. And I understand where the NFL is reprioritizing player safety, but I feel so bad for these def- defenders because i mean how do you hit the quarterback now you can't hit him low you can't hit him high and if you hit him perfectly in the middle you're still going to get a flag so you can see the frustration in clay matthew's face and everybody that i was watching the game with there's there was like 20 of 20 of us and we're just looking around at each other like that that was a good hit like what was wrong with that hit we were trying to figure out what the referee saw there was no helmet to helmet I mean, it was it was a clean football hit and still got a 15-yarder for it. So 
I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll be on ESPN because I mean it was an egregiously bad call in my opinion. So I think you're probably going to see some backlash from that. And I understand it's difficult to keep the guys safe, but you have to understand that football is uh, it's just a very violent game, and uh, there's only so much that you can sanitize that. There's only so much you can tame that. So that was one of the things that really jumped off the page from that game. That and Aaron Rodgers is not 100. percent and Aaron Rodgers really makes his game by extending plays and moving around and giving his receivers time to improvise downfield. And when he's hurt the way that he is now, he's just not able to do that. So it could be a while before we see Aaron Rodgers back. I think their bye week is week seven. And I would be looking for a healthy Aaron Rodgers probably around week eight, because honestly, you know, he's not practicing, but even getting out there and playing on Sunday it can't be good for his leg. So if you've got Aaron Rodgers in your fantasy lineup, you're a little bit concerned. And then, of course, all the corresponding parts in that offense, you're a little bit concerned. That is a bigger issue that needs to be addressed because these are, in my opinion as well, clean hits. It just hits. The defender has nowhere to go. They can't go high. What do they you can't do? can't go low. Where <laughs> yeah. do you hit the guy? And, yeah. okay, all of his body weight happens to go ahead and press on him and they fall down. And I understand this actually led to something ironically with Aaron Rodgers last year because it was his collarbone fracture from one of those type of hits, mm. which led to this ruling. Mm-hmm. And it, But like you said, it just comes down to, okay, where can you hit the guy? And I don't think it's fair. I think it goes overboard. It wasn't m- intentional. It wasn't malicious. Mm-hmm. It was nothing but a clean mm-hmm. tackle. Yep. I mean, you make that play on a running back when he's go- running back is cutting through the hole for, like, say, a three-yard gain and somebody hits him like that okay, it's second down. Nobody even turns ahead or anything of that nature. But yet, well, it, 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 yet when as a quarterback, and we've seen this now, like, like you said, Clay Matthews, three weeks in a row, got three mm-hmm. penalties three weeks in a row, a charge to him, and all three were clean hits. We say, I think I saw one or two others of the same type of ilk this weekend, and both were called on it. And to me, I think it leads to a bigger problem as far as the ability to play defense and I think it's going to, at some point, there's going to be enough pushback to get that out of the way. Well, and especially with you having increasingly athletic quarterbacks, like you take a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes, if you get a chance to hit him, you have to hit him. <laughs> Otherwise, he's going to he's he's going to tear you up. And so, it, you know, the more that these defenders are tentative to hit a player, and maybe that's what the league wants. Maybe maybe the league wants 45 to 50 games every week, (laughs) you know, maybe they they think that's better television, but it's already exceedingly difficult to play defense in the NFL and teams will show players, Hey, this is what the refs are calling now. You know, this is what the league wants. I think we're in a position now where how, how do you tell your players what the league wants? I mean, what does the league want? If, if those hits for Clay Matthews aren't legal, what do they want? I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Neither do I, my friend. Neither do I. Just it, it just makes it very hard to play defense, and you've got to make it fair to at least an extent. It is a rough game. I mean, it is called tackle football, and if the next step is playing flag football, I think a lot of people will just assume turn it off because mm-hmm. that's where it's leading to. It's like yeah. touch or ta- touch the touch the quarterback. There you go. Or you know, touch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 becoming ridiculous. I understand yes. going head-to-head helmet. I know that's sure. excessive, and a lot of people are the crowning and whatnot, and people mm-hmm. are getting all up mm-hmm. in arms about maybe it's being overcalled. I don't have a problem with that because those are headshots, and that's people's mm-hmm. actually livelihood down the road being affected by these mm-hmm. concussions. Mm-hmm. No Absolutely. problem with that. 
But when you give someone a fair bear hug tackle, mm-hmm. and it just so happens your body weight ha- falls on the quarterback and they go to the ground, mm-hmm. that that to me is is just wrong. That's that's part of the game. That's <laughs> that's part of the strategy of football is to wear down your opponent, wear them out, make it so that they don't want to play anymore. You know, beat them up, wear them out, and you can certainly do that without you know taking out a quarterback's knees or or, or you know hitting them in the head with your helmet. And I'm with you in that. I like how the league has made it a point to get safer in those areas. You know, at some point, you just have to let them play ball. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. When you come back and talk to me, mm-hmm. I know that we're going to touch on a couple of things more as far as injuries, updates mm-hmm. on what's going on with, with some fantasy football things that you want to discuss as well. I also want to discuss your fantasy football choices, possibly for an MVP or or people that you should trade for because they're that are primary targets, and also fantasy football players that you think are hot right now that are hot names to trade while they're high. I think we should go ahead and discuss mm-hmm. that as well when you come okay. back. Don't forget, everyone, that we also record on Thursday nights as well. Our shows that we air this on, again, are Monday, Friday, and our full episode of the Fantasy Football Pater podcast on wednesday and tuesday late tuesday wednesday let's just say wednesday you could look for it so my friend it's been a great show as always i appreciate you giving us the update on not only the football season as a whole but obviously for everything fantasy football owners that are they're asking for all those nuggets that you give where can they go if they have any more questions on trades waiver wire questions should i trade this guy should i get this guy in a trade where do you go for any of those fantasy football questions they may have? The best thing you can do is go to the Facebook group, and that is the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group. Now, if, if you don't want to post your lineup and post your questions, because a lot of people don't, <laughs> you can send a private message, and I'll get the message. But the best way to do it is to take a screenshot of your lineup, of your trade offer, of what's on the waiver wire, post that. And it's a good way to get input from a lot of different perspectives. My friend, it is a great way to get a good perspective because not only you're there, but also over 200 individuals that love fantasy football like you are also there that can also share their opinion as well. So maybe it's good to get get kind of a good feedback, bouncing off the walls type deal, and, and maybe get a good idea exactly what you might want to do for your fantasy football team. So Tyler, my friend, it's been a great show. It's been a great time indeed. Just truly appreciate everything that you do for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos and everything that you do for the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast.